Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So, hi, my name is Christina Butterworth. I'm the kids pastor here at Summit, and I really am excited to be here with you this morning. Um, I thought I'd start out with a few fun facts about me. Fun fact number one, my favorite color is green. Fun fact number two, I have never met a Butterworth I am not related to, but I hear there's some in our area. Could be a new life experience if I meet them. Um, Fun fact number three, I am number three of six kids. I'm the oldest daughter, so I have four brothers and one sister. Philip, Tim, Christina, Joanna, Nathaniel, Andrew. Good luck. (laughs) Right? Um, when we were kids, we made all sorts of plans. We had inventions and things that we wanted to do. And one of our big ideas was we were going to build a treehouse in the maple tree in mom and dad's backyard. Gorgeous tree, perfect plan, problem. None of the branches were low enough for us to actually climb that tree to build anything. So because we are problem solvers in the Butterworth family, we decided that we would first build a pulley. That way we could get into tree and build. So I was so committed to this plan that I gave the front wheel of my bicycle to make the pulley. And we got scrap wood from the garage and we built a case for it, got it mounted in the tree. But we need much more of a challenge in our lives than just to feed a rope through a pulley via ladder. So we put the ladder away and we took the rope and we threw it over the lowest branch. And we had a simple plan, very straightforward. My sister was about seven. (laughs) Joanna, you're a hero. Um, We fed the the rope through her belt loops, which is uncomfortable, but we didn't think that through. And we tied it real tight. She was secure. The plan was, we would lift her up to the branch. She would climb onto the branch. She would then climb to the next highest branch. She would then untie herself. She would then reach to the next highest branch where the pulley was, feed the rope through, retie, and be lowered to safety with a victory. Right? So easy. So we get Joanna tied up, we hoist her. (laughs) We were super encouraging. You got this. Okay. Reach for the branch. No. (laughs) Joanna, just reach for the branch. You can do it. It's right there. We'll pull you closer. Her hands are like this, touching the branch and the rope. Just let go and grab the branch. No. Grab the branch. No. Right? Okay. It escalated. We went from encouragement to little harsh to threats. Joanna's crying. We're yelling. Everyone's upset. Mom comes out. (laughs) We had to go get the ladder. (laughs) Retrieve Joanna from the tree. Apologies were made all around. Order is restored. We fed the rope through the pulley. Plan B, but it still worked. Right? So we were basking in our glory. We now have a pulley. Let's all celebrate. Everyone gets a turn. Nathaniel was five. We knew we couldn't just put a rope through his little belt loops. Plus, they were very small. So, we got Dad's old Boy Scout backpack. Problem solvers. It was very sturdy and stiff, and we made like a swing seat. Lashed it real quick. Got him seated. Seat belted him to it, just in case. And we lifted him up. Another win. He was happy. We were happy. Andrew wanted a turn. Andrew was two. You cannot put a two-year-old on a swing seat without back support, right? 
problem solvers. So we <laughs> took the backpack and turned it upside right, and then we put Andrew in it. <laughs> and then we cinched it around his sweet, sweet little face so he wouldn't fall out. And then we lash it to the rope and we pull him up in the tree. We are winning this day. We're cheering, he's happy. And then mom looked out the window. <laughs> My poor mother, she looks out and sees her baby 10 to 15 feet off the ground in a backpack by a rope. And all the other children are like cheering. Yay, look at you, this is so good. All I remember is this. We were looking at Andrew happily, cheering. All of a sudden we look and mom is coming very slowly down the porch stairs. She says in her ultra calm voice, get him down. <laughs> like panic immediately, she's really mad. <laughs> like, he's really happy, I promise he wanted to do it. Somebody goes out and catches him, we get him down, open the backpack, pull him out. Mom immediately confiscated the backpack and the rope. I still don't know what happened to them, but the pulley remained in the tree, at least for the rest of the summer, fall. I don't really know how long. It was up there for a while. Every time we went outside, we would just look at it and remember the valuable lessons we learned that day about not putting your baby brother in a backpack, right? But as silly as it is, it actually reminds me of something from Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12, it says this. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. A guy named Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth, and he wrote to them saying, all of this was written down. It happened to them as an example. And he's talking about the Old Testament because he's actually writing the New Testament. All of this stuff in the Old Testament, it, it's an example to us, and it's for our instruction. It's not just an inspirational, go get them, kid. But this is stuff that matters, and that's to teach us. And it says, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You guys, it matters that we are reading God's word and letting him speak to us through it. Because even though, sure, it's another time, it's another culture, we're still people. We still ask the same questions. We still make the same choices. We still have the same motives. And so when we read God's word and we ask him, God, what do you want to teach us? He's so faithful and good to teach it. And then it's our job to do it. Right? Because it does us zero good to be like, awesome, see you next week. Take heed lest we fall. So today, as Pastor Mel said, we are continuing in the book of Judges. If you were not here last week, dude, you need to go back and you need to look at um, what Pastor Mel shared last week. He laid a phenomenal foundation, talked through what Judges is all about, and we got to go through Ehud. So you can go on our website, summitpa.church, Facebook. Find it, listen to it, it's good. Um, the other thing I want to tell you is this. Today, we get to talk about Gideon, Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. That is three chapters. That is a lot of information, so I'm going to tell you this. As much as I want to do all of it and all of it right now, 
we just don't have time to cover everything. This is going to be a highlighted view. So this week, I really do encourage you, go back, read Judges 6, 7, and 8, because God is so good. He's got nuggets in his word. No matter how many times we read it, he speaks to us. Okay, so the Judges. The time of the Judges is the time when Joshua is leading the people, and then he dies, and all of his generation, and then the Judges happen until the time of the Kings. So it's a a few hundred years, and it is a very dark time in Israel's history. It's marked by this terrible cycle that they keep repeating. First, it says that the people do evil in the sight of the Lord. They turn away from God, yeah, let's do this, and they do what they want. They do evil in the sight of the Lord. Then God gives them what they choose. You're not our boss, this stuff is and they are severely oppressed. Then they cry out to God, we're so sorry, that was a terrible decision, right? They repent, and God responds by sending a deliverer who's going to save them, and there is a time of peace. And then because it's a cycle, they again do evil in the sight of the Lord. And the thing too is, in Judges, it actually gets worse every cycle. And that's what happens when we turn away from God and just keep turning away from God, right? So Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, it starts out by telling us that the people do evil in the sight of the Lord again. And they are severely oppressed by their enemies, the Midianites, seven years. And it's so bad, the Midianites are coming in, and the Bible says they come in like locusts. They come in and devour all of the food, destroy all of the livestock. There's nothing left for Israel to be able to exist on. They're digging out holes in caves and in rocks, hiding from the Midianites so that they can survive for seven years. And they cry out to God, save us. And God sends a prophet to them, and the prophet has this message from God. The prophet tells them, look, God is the one who saved you from Egypt. God is the one who gave all of your enemies into your hand. God is the one who, every time you've cried out to him, has saved you from your enemies. And God told you, I am your God, serve me, not these false gods. But you haven't obeyed. And Pastor Mel is awesome and really good at being direct and speaking truth in love. And honestly, I love that about him. I am afraid to hurt people's feelings. Like, oh, but what if that really hurts them? Right? And sometimes I read stuff like this in the Bible. I'm like, man, God, that was like pretty mean. God addresses what's wrong in our lives, not to shame us, not to hurt us, but because the only way it's ever going to get fixed is to address it. Right? Like, it doesn't work to just be like, if I ignore it, it will go away. Has that ever worked for anyone? No! But we try it, like, maybe this time. No, it doesn't ever work. So God calls it for what it is. This is sin. You're not doing the right thing. Pick me. I will save you. So, God sends an angel to this town called Ophrah, 
where a man named Gideon lived. And what we find out is Gideon is in a wine press, this like deep sunk in place, right? Where you step on all the grapes. And he's there not squashing grapes, but he's beating out wheat. You're not supposed to do it there, but he was hiding, trying to be somewhere where the enemy can't see him and steal all his food. Because don't we like to actually eat? I mean, I'm ready for lunch. So he's beaten out his wheat, hiding from the enemy, and God sends an angel. And here's what the angel says in verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord is with us? Are you kidding me? Do you see the mess I live in? Do you see what's happening in my life? God's not with us. He forgot about us and left us. Yeah, 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 I've heard God is good. No, he saved us. He's not here. Right, and don't we feel that way sometimes? When I say to God, God, do you even remember I exist? Like, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and like, what? Do you hear me? Right? And there's a verse I go back to so often. It's Isaiah 64.4. It says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No, I has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. God's not saying, just wait long enough. I'll show up eventually. He's the God who looks to move on our behalf. He's the God who wants to move on our behalf. And what he asks of us is, trust me. Rely on me, not your finances, not your job, not your relationships, not anything else. Your own abilities. Rely on me because I'm going to show up. So, Gideon's like, yeah, right, God's not with us. And then in verse 14, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. All of a sudden, he's like, Wait, 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 what? Me? How can I do that? Have you seen me? Have you seen my family? Have you seen where we come from? I can't lead people. I can't do what you're asking of me. I'm not qualified, right? How many times have I told God, God, I'm not adequate for what you're asking. I've never done that before, right? Pick someone else. In verse 16, And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I love God so much, he doesn't even acknowledge Gideon's, What, me? Who, me? God's like, But I'm going to be with you. Nothing about this is dependent on you. Everything about this is dependent on me. It doesn't matter how good you are at something or not. I'm going to show up. 
just trust me. Right? And that's what God says to you and me. The God who made you and sees you and knows you is the God who calls you to trust him and courageously obey him. So, Gideon's response, verse 17. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it's you who speak with me. Right? Okay, this sounds crazy, Lord. But if it's really you, can you just like confirm it? Right? So in December, um, I was talking to God about missions trips for 2019. Because, like, Lord, do you want me to go on a missions trip? And if so, which one? And also, just as a note, there's one that I really can't do. The El Salvador trip. Because it's the week before Summer XP, which is our vacation Bible school for kids. It's the week before Summer XP. We would get back late, late, late Saturday night. I'd get up early, early Sunday morning at church. Then after church, final XP set up. And then Monday XP starts. Like, not going to work, right? I've crunched the numbers done the math, not happening. But Lord, any other trip would be awesome if you want me to go on one. Totally fine if not. Whatever you want. Being humble and submitted. (laughs) Every time I prayed about it, El Salvador, El Salvador, El Salvador. I would like to make a note. God is not mean. You know how people be like, don't say I don't want to do this because then God's going to get you. But here's what I really think. A lot of times, we're afraid, and so in our fear we say, but but not that one, God. And God's like, kid, I love you so much, there's no reason for you to be afraid. Let's face that together. Right? So, that was not my perspective in this moment. (laughs) And so, I was like, okay, fine, Lord, I think it's really you talking to me. I'm going to talk to my boss about it. And if he says yes, then great. But if he says no... Like, what do you do, right? Like, he's my boss. <laughs> P.S., side note, he's an amazing boss. He is a man of God. He does not trump God, right? When God speaks, our, our job is to obey. So I go to Pastor Mel, and the truth was I was not going for the sale. I was going for the no. And so I was like, here's a situation. What do you think? We talked and he goes, yeah, I don't see a problem with it. (laughs) Why? You should. I do. No, I trust you. I don't. So then I went and talked with my summer XP co-director, but I did not tell her, this is what God told me because that's manipulation. I can't even say the word manipulation. Let's just go with it. So I just told her, here's what I'm thinking. Here would be the game plan. What do you think? You can pray about it. (laughs) Take a few days. (laughs) Three seconds. She's like, yeah, we totally can do that. That's awesome. I think it's going to be great. Why? (laughs) Okay. But you know who faithfully showed up all along the way? Even though he didn't consult my schedule or my planner that is color-coordinated, We serve a faithful God. So, 
Gideon asks God for confirmation. He brings out food to the angel. The angel says, put it on this giant rock. He does. The angel touches it with his staff. The rock, fire comes out of the rock and consumes the food, and the angel vanishes. And Gideon freaks out, I'm gonna die! And God speaks in a moment and says, you're not gonna die. Peace to you. Don't be afraid. And do you know God speaks that to us too? Because I freak out when it feels like I don't, I don't know the plan and I don't know how it's going to work. Internal freak out, I'm going to die. But God speaks, peace to you. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. I'm with you. Right? So then God speaks to Gideon and says, I've got a job. Here's your first mission. Go destroy the altars to the false god that are in your town. Go tear down the wooden image. Those are not your masters. I am. Set up an altar to me. I'm your god. And Gideon says, I'll do that after everyone goes to bed. <laughs> and so he waits because the Bible says he's afraid. He's too afraid to do it then. So he waits till they all go to bed. So in the middle of the night, he goes out destroys the altar to the false god, tears down the image, makes a new altar, offers a sacrifice. You cannot hide something like that from the whole town. <laughs> so they get up in the morning and they are furious. I mean, it was a mob scene. They were finding out who did this because that matters to me. How dare you? They find out it's Gideon. They show up at his dad's front door because he still lived at home. Oh, poor guy. So they show up at his dad's front door and they're like, bring Gideon out. We're going to kill him because of what he's done. And they say, his dad goes, no. If those are really gods, let them smite Gideon and kill him. Who do you think you are to take up their cause? If they're a god, let them do something about it. Mob dissipates. I love how God faithfully responds to even the smallest step of faith we take. God said, go do this. And he's like, in three hours. Right? God, I'm a little too scared to do it right now when someone might see me, when they know it was me. Can we just wait till no one's looking? Way more convenient for me. But the God who faithfully responds to every step of faith you take is the God who calls you to trust him and courageously obey him. So then it says next in scripture that the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and, and he, here's why, I skipped the verse, it's fine. The verse says the Midianites the Amalekites, and the people of the east, all three massive enemies of Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and they're coming into Israel territory. They are coming to annihilate. And the Spirit of the Lord closed Gideon. He lifts up a trumpet and sounds the alarm to rally the army. And here's what's crazy cool. Ready? It says in verse 34, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. Know who the Abiezrites are? the people who just tried to kill him. How does that make sense? 
They literally just showed up to kill him, dispersed. Now they've sounded an alarm and they're rallying behind him to be like, lead us to victory. But that's who God is. That's how faithful he really is. And then it got really real because the enemy is here. I just gathered troops. We're about to go to war. And Gideon goes, but Lord, uh, I just need you to confirm one more time. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put a fleece out before you, and will you make the ground dry and the fleece wet in the morning? Then I'll know. And God's really kind, and he says, okay. Okay, it doesn't say he said okay, but he did it. So in the morning, the ground is dry, the fleece is wet. (laughs) Even when I was a child, I remember thinking, that doesn't make sense. Fleece is very absorbent. Ground dries fast. How would that prove anything, right? Nature, my friend, nature. And I think Gideon must have thought the same thing because he was like, ah, Lord, please don't be angry with me, but I just have one more request. Can we switch it? Can we have the ground be wet and the fleece be dry? That would be way more obvious and unnatural. Right? Like, Lord, I just need it to be super clear so I don't get confused. Because if you're not with me, I think I'm going to die. So, God in his utter patience and kindness again shows up and does what Gideon asked. Ground is wet, fleece is dry, it is time. But wait. In chapter 7, verse 2, God is so fun. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Gideon, just spoiler right now, Gideon had 32,000 troops. Go team. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East, 135,000. It's a little mismatch, I would say. And God says, I'm sorry. You have too many people. You guys are going to think you did it. And you didn't. So we got to weed this out a little. God says, tell anyone who's afraid to just go home. So he does. 22,000 men leave. (laughs) Farewell, army. He's left with 10,000. God. Verse 4. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. I know you guys. You think too much of yourselves. We got to make it really clear that it really is me working on your behalf because I love you, not because you're that good. So they do a test. Anyone who drinks water this way? No. Anyone who drinks water this way? Yes. 9,700? No. (laughs) 300? Yes. Gideon's army went from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. And then God says, Arise, I've given the Midianites into your hand. Let's do this. (laughs) And then he says, But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. 
it's time, bud. If you're still too scared, don't worry. Go down there. You're going to hear something, and it's going to encourage you, strengthen you to do what I've called you to do. So Gideon and his servants sneak down. I have no idea. I envisioned the enemies were in a tent, and they were outside of it, but I don't know. And they hear one enemy soldier say, I had this dream. And in my dream, there was this giant loaf of barley bread tumbling down the hill. And it squashed all the tents. That was weird. And the other guy, enemy soldier, goes, oh, yeah, I know what that means. That's Gideon. He's an Israelite. Yeah, God's given the whole Midian army into his hands. They're going to defeat us. Because that makes sense. God has confirmed that it's him through the angel. When the men went to kill Gideon over the altars, when Gideon did a fleece and then a second fleece, and now through his own enemies, his own enemies were like, oh yeah, Gideon's totally going to win. And the Bible says that when Gideon heard it, he worshipped. This is God. The God who shows up on your behalf is the God who calls you to trust him and courageously obey him. He shows up because he wants us to walk in all that he's called us to. He hasn't made us to walk in fear. He hasn't made us to walk in oppression. He has made us to walk with him and to see the people around us changed by him. Right? So, Gideon goes back. Everything has changed. He goes back to his men. Let's do this, guys. God's going to win. He divides his 300 men into three companies. 100 here, 100 here, 100 here, right? Everyone is armed with a torch and a jar and a trumpet. And it is the middle of the night. So they quietly get into position, and Gideon tells them, watch me. Now imagine... It's the middle of the night. You are sleeping sweetly. And 300 jars break. That would be shocking. And then there's light everywhere. And then you hear trumpets blasting and people screaming at the top of their lungs, For God and for Gideon! Because that's what happened to the enemy. And it says, Every man of Israel stood in his place around the camp and all the army of Midian ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. Gideon and his 300 men literally stood there and yelled. And God defeated 120,000 soldiers in front of them. Like they did nothing. They just watched. And I would love to end there and say, you guys, let's be like Gideon and win at life. Right? Trust God. Courageously obey. But what I hate is that there's a chapter 8. Because the story's not over yet. And what we find out is Gideon's men are super pumped. There's 15,000 of the enemy left. 
They chase them down, annihilate this enemy, free forever. They take the plunder of 135,000 men, all of their everything valuable, they take back with them. They get back to Israel, celebrating victory. They say to Gideon, you should be our king. You're awesome. And Gideon says, no, 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 no. God is our king. But, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if you just gave me all the gold earrings you guys got. Yeah, totally, man. So they all give him their gold earrings. 43 pounds of gold. Bigger than a four-year-old. Right? That's a lot of gold. And Gideon takes it, melts it down, and makes an ephod, like a really decorative chest-covering thing. And it says in chapter 8, verse 27, And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city, in Ophrah, and all Israel whored after it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. What was one of the, it was the first thing God had them, him do. Tear down that altar. Tear down that image. That is not what rules you. It's me. I am your God and I am with you. And what does he do right when he gets back? Look at this right? And maybe the heart of it was to be like, God won the victory. This points to him. But that's not what happened. He set up this image and they worshiped it instead of God, as if it somehow did something. And don't we do that where we'll come through something really hard and see God's faithfulness and we'll get to the other side and be like, great job. Wasn't so bad. Maybe I really am that good of a leader. Right? Somehow our focus switches, and all of a sudden it wasn't all about God. I got some skills. But what God told him from the very beginning was it doesn't depend on you, it's dependent on me. And the God who frees us and saves us from every enemy who has sought to rule over us is the God who calls us to trust him, to courageously obey him, and to remember him. And that means I need to remember, I need to make the choice to say, wait a second, it's God who did this. And you and I need to tell each other, wait a second, it's God who did this. I mean, you're pretty cool, but God... We wouldn't be here without him, right? And the truth is, I read Gideon's story, and it breaks my heart because I say, God, I don't want to have that story. I don't want to trust you and take the step, and trust you and take the step, only to forget you. Because what does it matter then? We just start the cycle back over. Take heed lest we forget. So my challenge for us today is this. The God who made you and sees you and knows you, the God who faithfully responds to every step you take 
of faith in him. The God who shows up on your behalf. And the God who redeems you from every enemy that seeks to rule over you is the God who calls you to trust him, to courageously obey him, and to not forget him. And it's to walk in that and to remind one another of the truth. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for your word that it truly is life and truth and light to us. Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would seal your word in us, that you would cause it to take root in us and to bear fruit that remains, that we wouldn't just hear what you speak, but we would do it to see you exalted and magnified and to walk in the fullness of what you've called us to. If everyone will just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed for just a minute longer, um, I don't want to end today without giving an opportunity because from the very beginning, God's heart for us was to be with him, to know him. And every single one of us, like the Israelites, we have done evil. We have done wrong. We have sinned. And Sin can't get close to God or it gets destroyed. So when there is sin in us, we can't get close to God or we will be destroyed. And in God's love for us, he said, I want you. So he sent his son Jesus, who's perfect, never said or did anything wrong. And Jesus came to take the punishment by dying on the cross. Our punishment for the wrong things we've done. And he didn't just stop there to forgive us. But he came back to life on the third day to completely redeem us. To be with us and to fight for us. That there's nothing that's too hard for him. Not even death can hold him. So don't be afraid. So my question for you is this. Is there anyone here who would say, Christina, I've never done that before. I've not gotten to make the decision to follow Jesus, and I want to. I want to be forgiven. I want to be with God and follow him. Would you raise your hand just to let me know? I'm not going to call you up front. I just want to be able to pray with you. Is there anyone here today? the other thing I'm going to ask. I know God has been speaking to me for pretty much the whole of 2019. Trust me. Trust me. Maybe you're facing some stuff and God's speaking that to you too. Trust me. I've got you. But you've been afraid. Is there anyone here who would say, Christina, pray for me. Because there's some stuff I know I need to do, but I'm really scared. But I want to trust God today. Thanks, ma'am. Thanks. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Then let's pray. I'm going to just have everyone pray with me. Say, dear God, thank you that you made me. Thank you that you love me. 
Thank you that you are here with me. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been afraid. I want to trust you and courageously obey. Thank you that you honor every step of faith I take. Will you remind me that you're holding my hand and you got this. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, I just love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to get to speak to you today. Here's what we're going to do next. We're going to have the worship team. They're going to do one final song. We're going to have our prayer team come on either side of the stage. If there's anything that you would like to pray with them about, come up and agree with them because, man, they love to pray with people. And we have a God who loves to answer prayers. And then after the song, Pastor Mo's going to come up and he's going to close. But this week, and Lord, for the rest of our days, let's be people who choose to trust to courageously obey and to remember what our God has done. Amen? Amen.